because I'm back. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, yeah, man, how you doing? On, you good? On, I know you like yeah, that. Yeah, I know oh, you like that. Come on, you been back, man. Welcome, 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 I see the girls in the club, they're getting wild for me. All right, it's week two of the FCS season, of the Big Sky season. If you thought last week was exciting just at the thought of football being back, after you watched this week's slate of games, you got to see Montana State take the field again. You got to see the U of M do something that hasn't been done in the Big Sky forever and ever. You have to be excited now. Bear Tycoon's with me. What a weekend of football we just had. I had such high expectations. This weekend somehow exceeded those expectations. It was it was awesome. We'll get through all the games. Um, but, I mean, what? Just a great slate from Thursday through Saturday. It was exactly what we needed after a canceled 2020 season. After all of the different storylines coming into this year, how would teams with layoffs handle those layoffs? How would teams that played in that spring season come back? And, uh, you know, handle a new season after one that really didn't matter at all. We had games against FBS opponents. We had games played in time zones three hours, four hours different than Montana. It was just an amazing slate of games, and it really did not disappoint at all. And so I think, I mean, there's no other thing we can do right now. I mean, the excitement makes it even hard to talk about this yeah. this weekend's games because it was just so much fun. It was uh, something we definitely missed as Cats and Grizz fans like you and I are. We just missed this last year happening that opening week. And I remember when COVID was threatening to stop the season, um, we didn't know if they were going to allow, you know, they were going to play with no fans, if they were going to cancel the season. We started getting all those cancellation notices. You couldn't even think about a beginning of September without Cats and Grizz football um, you know, starting to dominate your Saturday afternoons. And we were left with just a massive disappointment and a hole in our schedules <laughs> um, for a whole football season. And to see, uh, you know, uh, the Cats back, back out on the field in a, in a meaningful game, to see the Grizz really out on the field in a meaningful game uh, was just such a cool thing. It, it gave a little bit more familiarity to hopefully um, a familiar and smooth season that we're going to see. So I think, uh, I mean, just having it be football season is amazing, but having it be this type of football season when we went this long yes. to see to see our uh, in-state schools get out there just made um, the Thursday through Saturday one of the more memorable uh, opening weekends I think we've ever had uh, in the Big Sky Conference. For sure. Should we get? Do you want, should we talk about all these games? Let's just do it. Let's get right into it because it was so fun. Yeah. So you know, on Thursday things started off Weber State against uh, FBS Utah. Thursday night game. Uh, things started off a little uh, a little frisky. Weber led this game 7-3, to three, thanks in part to a, or in entirety, to a 99-yard kickoff return from preseason all-Big Sky return specialist Rashid Shahid. Uh, immediately after Shahid's touchdown, the game went into a 90-minute lightning delay. Those are always exciting. Um, you never Those are electric. Electric. You never know when things are going to get started up again. Um, but unfortunately for, for Weber State, things got a progressively less interesting uh, from that moment. Weber was down 19-7 at one point. They had the ball on Utah's one-yard line. They went no gain, no gain, incompletion, no gain for a turnover on downs. It was just not what you want to see. I think that kind of highlights the night. Utah looked like a team that was playing up uh, a division from Weber State. Uh, it, it doesn't help. If you're going to beat an FBS program, we'll talk about a, a few teams that ended up uh, winning their FBS matchups. But one thing you have to do is minimize mistakes. Weber had uh, 11 penalties, 
for almost 100 yards in, in penalty yards. That is just a crusher. Uh, Josh Davis, who's a Walt, Walter Payton Award watch list, had a pretty shaky night. Seven carries for just 17 yards and a lost fumble. Um, you wonder if Jay Hill was... Uh, kind of keeping everything in his pocket. Didn't want to show too much. Wanted to save everything for the real season, the FCS season. Uh, but how the rest of the conference fared, this was a bit of a dis- disappointment. Nate, what did you think about this game? What I thought about this game, and I didn't know about this game until I looked into it, I thought it was the battle of 3.5% ABV beer game. But actually, Utah in August of 2020 raised that limit. They're starting to modernize their liquor hey. laws. It is now the 5% ABV Good for them. State. They did so, it. So look at that. They did it. Congratulations to Utah on that. Congratulations to the Utes for knocking off Weber State. Weber State, uh, you know, the favorite to win the conference. Once again, got, uh, you know, not a horrible loss, but uh, they couldn't pull off one of those uh, FBS upsets like some other teams in our conference did. But 5% beer, can't go wrong there. Yep. And before we kick it to the next game, uh, just shout out to Rashid Shahid. That touchdown, return touchdown, he's now tied for the FCS record. So he's got one more season to break it, which would just be awesome to see. It would be awesome to see. Our next game was UC Davis against the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. And what would be the first but not the last FCS upset over an FBS program in week one, UC Davis took it to the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes, who went out like an afternoon thunderstorm coming over the Beartooth rather than their devastating namesake. They looked uh, 22 point underdog. They looked less like the Tulsa golden hurricanes and more like the Tulsa golden Fraser cranes on Thursday. Nate, that's a good, that that's, that's a good one. I wish I would have thought of that one uh, instead of the Beartooth uh, and thunderstorms. But anyway, the 22 point underdog, Aggie set the tone early with an opening drive touchdown, a 12 yard pass from the new, and dare I say improved Jake Mayer, Meyer junior quarterback, Hunter Rodriguez went to McKellen castles for seven, Within 90, with 90 seconds left in the second quarter, Tulsa was driving and looked like they would go up 17-7 going into the half. But UC Davis's Teddy Buchanan made a momentum-swinging interception deep in Davis' territory. Dan Hawkins said to hell with running out the half and ended up getting a field goal in the last play of the half to tie the score at 10. A little side note on Dan Hawkins. He is no stranger to FBS, FCS upsets. Montana State upset Dan Hawkins' Colorado Buffs back in the day. Uh, Montana State's last FBS win, uh, actually. So Dan Hawkins, no stranger to these FCS, FBS upsets. At 10-10 game at the half, East Davis kept it close after that and pulled ahead thanks to field goals number two, number three, and number four of the night for kicker Isaiah Gomez. Down the stretch, Davis's Cole Hansen had a huge interception in midfield. Tulsa had another chance and was driving and in field goal range, but with four minutes left, Chris Venable popped Tulsa's Keelon Stokes, which resulted in a fumble out of the back of the end zone for a UC Davis touchback. But that kicker, Hunter Rodriguez, really... Or I'm sorry, the, the new Jake Mayermeyer. Uh, Hunter Rodriguez really stole the show with 28 of 35 passing a touchdown. And importantly, in a game like this, zero turnovers. You just talked about that, Bear Tycoon. If you're going to make an FBS, FCS upset, you can't have those turnovers. Rodriguez is going to be a problem throughout the big sky this week. Or, I'm sorry, for this season. But UC Davis looking strong. We had some questions about them last week when we previewed the season. This is how you get people thinking you are a legit squad. Bear Tycoon, what did you see in this game? Yeah, I mean, look, what, the difference between the Weber State game and here, uh, as we've alluded to, zero turnovers for UC Davis compared to three for uh, Tulsa. Tulsa, 122 penalty yards. UC Davis, 54. Uh, there's nothing more fun than rooting for a whole slate of F- FCS and Big Sky teams other than Southern Utah, of course. Um and it was just awesome to see him pull this off. It, it was a it was a great game. You see, Davis limited mistakes, capitalized on opportunities. Tulsa was a twenty three point five 
uh, point favorite going into the game. It is their first FCS loss in 35 years and the largest upset defeat for Tulsa in 40 years. There's a lot of talk by some, the very few limited Tulsa beat writers and fans on Twitter. A lot of talk about, you know, well, Tulsa wasn't playing without these suspended players that resulted back from a fight they got into at the end of last season. It doesn't matter. Suspensions, injuries, it's all part of the game. You're still an FBS program. You lost to an FCS program. That's the way it is. You can try to find, like, excuses, but the fact that they suspended these kids for what they assumed was going to be a, you know, a cakewalk game, they came back to bite them. Came back to bite them. Tulsa, it doesn't get easier for them. They're not in the big sky, but they still have to go to Oklahoma State next week and play an FBS squad. I don't know how you get your team up for that after a game like this, but we'll have to see (laughs) for a few of these FBS teams that had to face the Big Sky Conference this week. But uh, a great win for UC Davis and one that uh, obviously come playoff time has huge implications if they're on the bubble to get into uh, the postseason field. Yep, absolutely. Good for them. Um, A slightly less interesting game. Um, we've got to talk about quickly. Let's keep this to under one minute, Nate, but Southern Utah playing their uh, second FBS game in five days. Of course, it was also their second FBS loss in five games. Uh, just an embarrassing schedule, predictable losses to San Jose State, Arizona State. Uh, here, just to highlight, I feel like this is the most interesting thing that happened in the game. Southern Utah's first half possessions, interception, fumble, touchdown. That's nice. Uh, interception, punt, punt, interception. That is, that's a awful half of football. Um, it, it, I feel like that's enough we need to talk about with them. Southern Utah, 14, Arizona State, 41. Don't even bother watching the highlights. The only thing I can think of is how did Arizona State not score more than 41 points and not have a victory larger than 27 points? Yes. That doesn't make much sense. The only thing I took out of this game was I wanted to see when Southern Utah was leaving the conference. They are going to the WAC, so I looked up the WAC on Wikipedia. Just in case you didn't remember, the Western Athletic Conference Mm -hmm. is rejoining the football ranks. They are going to be playing FCS schedule beginning in the 2022-23 season, and Southern Utah will be a part of that Western Athletic Football Conference, which will also include some newcomers. And one that we'll talk about here in a little bit, Dixie State, actually. So that WAC Athletic Conference is going to take Southern Utah from us. And for that, we say thank you very much to the Western Athletic Conference for getting this team out of our conference. Good riddance. Good riddance. The next game we had up on the docket, NAU and Sam Houston State. You never want to start a season off against a defending national champion, asterisk, 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 because it wasn't a real season. But NAU kicked off the real post-Case Cookish years with that lopsided loss to the defending champions, asterisk, asterisk, Sam Houston State Bearcats. It was never close as Sam Houston got out to a 21 to nothing lead midway through the second quarter and was never really threatened. NAU did get a little frisky maybe and scored 10 unanswered points, but then the Bearcats were on another level compared to our favorite uniformed team in the Big Sky Conference. That lumberjack gets me going every time I see it. Two different NAU quarterbacks through touchdowns, which means if you have two QBs, you have zero QBs. The Lumberjacks were felled fairly easily by Sam Houston State, 42-16. to 16. I know you had a little confusion following this game, Bear Tycoon. Yeah, I was – this game, I was at a wedding on Thursday night. Um, I was tracking this game on on my score app, which is uh, how I watch all – you know, follow all the scores, see what's going on. They had flipped the, the two teams' scores. So, at, at one point, I was watching this, and it's like, oh, my God, NAU is up you know, 
20, 21 to seven on Sam Houston state. And I was very excited for like, you know, 30 minutes before I figured out what was going on. Yes. And the only other note I have is Sam Houston state is also going to be joining that Western athletic conference. Cause nothing says whack like a team deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs> Um, uh, last game from, from, uh, Thursday night, uh, an absolute classic, classic game. We talked about this. I predicted the outcome of this game, uh, on our last episode, but Eastern Washington went down to Allegiant stadium in uh, Las Vegas to play UNLV 20 to 20 in the fourth quarter. Uh, Eastern Washington drove the length of the field, uh, to set up a, a chip shot field goal as time expires. Kicker misses it. Seth Harrison shanks, shanks the ball left. Uh, that seems like it was going to absolutely crush Eastern Washington to have a chance to win. Now you're going to overtime, uh, FBS overtime, but it didn't let them phase them. Traded two uh, two touchdowns over the two overtimes. Eric Barrierier hitting uh, Dylan Ingram and Blake Goebel for 25-yard touchdowns. In the second overtime, Barrierier hit Lemo Jones for a two-point conversion. New rules this year. You have to start going to two-point conversions uh, once you're in the second overtime. Um, and UNLV had the ball. They had a chance. They scored a touchdown, but they came up inches short on their two-point conversion attempt. Eric, An amazing tackle at the goal line. Amazing tackle. Barrier looked uh, like he's you know, the Big Sky Conference offensive MVP. He was electric during that game, um, uh, and he was slinging it all over the field. 29-39, three touchdowns, two interceptions. You know, this is kind of counter to what we were just saying, how to be an FBS program. Eastern Washington made mistakes. Like if you are playing an FBS school, you miss a chip shot field goal to win it. Uh, you have two interceptions. Like there, there is some sloppy play, um, but it, it, uh, you know, it is, it, it is what it is. Uh, UNLV was uh, not, not the most uh, impressive uh, to, to say the least. Um, the first possession out of the half, usually when you come out of the half, you know, you're getting the ball. Things are fairly well scripted. You know what you're going to do. UNLV came out. Um, here, here was their first possession. They, if, if you're sitting down, UNLV went delay of game, false start, run for a loss, run the ball, false start, run punt. That is ouch. Ouch. Big time. Ouch. Um, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was just awesome to watch. Did you watch this game? What were your thoughts? Well, my thoughts were on a weekend that we were going to be talking about Bobby Houck and what he did for his University of Montana Grizzlies. We're not talking about, and something that I think needs to be said, is what he did to this UNLV program (laughs) when he was there. Obviously, this is a... um, Just a result of what he did in Las Vegas when he was there. The Eastern Washington Eagles are coming down running roughshod over UNLV at home. Actually, this was and it was at home. It was at the New Raiders Stadium. Yeah. So EW Eastern Washington also the first FCS school to ever win uh, a game in that new uh, Allegiant Air Stadium. But really, what we have to be talking about here for all the good that Bobby Hauk did this weekend is the pain and suffering that he inflicted on this UNLV program to where they have not at all <laughs> recovered from his stint as the head coach there. All part of the um, long which, game. All part of the longing, which I believe uh, 100% led to this Eastern Washington upset of the running Rebels of UNLV in those two overtimes. But really, what it says to me is Barry Arier is unbelievable. He's going to be fun to see. And that last tackle to win the game for Eastern Washington is like a walk-off home run. When you come up, smack a guy at the one, and then get to run off the field, there's no cooler way to end a game than that. So congrats to Eastern Washington. That was 
really fun to watch. Three turnovers, three missed field goals. They still win over an FBS program. Pretty incredible. Very cool. Very cool. Well, the Northern Colorado Bears went over to Boulder, Colorado to play the Buffs on Friday night. They traveled south to take on, do we call them a rival? Ah, in-state acquaintance. It's a rival. Yeah. In-state acquaintance. Um, While our Big Sky brethren kept it close through the first quarter and escaped the first 15 minutes with a 0-0 tie, the Buffs tacked on two touchdowns in the second to take a 14-0 lead into the half with... All things considered, I think you and I would both be pretty disappointed if Montana State or U of M took a 14-0 lead into the half against Northern Colorado. Yes. Yeah, but, great point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really but Northern Colorado, got on the, <laughs> Northern Colorado did get on the board of the Dylan McCaffrey brother to Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. if you also remember Luke from last week's pod. Also, also Luke McCaffrey's brother. Oh, and did we mention he's the son of Ed McCaffrey, who's the head coach? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> he got a TD pass in the third, but it was far too late. And while the Bears did cover the spread... For all of us gamblers out there, they bowed out to the buffs and took the bus ride back to Greeley with an L, which in itself is kind of two L's because you have to go back to Greeley. Yeah. But either way, despite some of that solid play from the Michigan quarterback transfer, Dylan McCaffrey, um, and some sick unis, Bertikin, you told me you love those matte black helmets. Baby, that, I love them. Blue helmets they stole from NAU. Yeah, they definitely stole from NAU, but it looks it looks real good. Well, the game was never really close after that first quarter, but they were the best dressed. They had some pretty solid quarterback play for a guy in Greeley. Um, and I know you had a couple small little tidbits about the game that you uh, enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, so McCaffrey's numbers, you know, they looked okay um, if you see them on paper. But if you watch any of the highlights, if you watch, uh, if you watch, if go back and watch the game, uh, he looked awesome. Like he looked, you know, granted they were overmatched as a team, but McCaffrey is the real deal. Um, uh, the other thing, you know, just... This is what you expect in a FBS, FCS program, a stat line like this. Colorado dominated the running game to a tune of 281 yards compared to UNC's 20 yards running the ball. That's just hard to overcome. Uh, I think UNC is going to be somewhat frisky in the big sky, um, but uh, they don't have near the level of talent to to stay competitive against a a team like Colorado. Um, Speaking of... Speaking of frisky, and in the sense that not frisky at all, Simon Fraser came south of the border, <laughs> Nate, um, played Idaho, uh, the, the unmascotted Simon Fraser football team. They just got absolutely smoked. It is, it's such a, I, I, we're very anti-playing D2 schools. This was so boring. This is why uh, Idaho's offense outgunned Simon Fraser 593 yards to 90 yards. They won the game 68-0. to zero. Um I don't know how much we can take out of this. It is a, it's not only a D2 program, it's a bad D2 program. Um, CJ Jordan, we, we still don't know who's going to win the quarterback competition in Idaho, but CJ Jordan looked like the best quarterback. Uh, he was throwing the ball. Uh, he had two touchdowns, 161 yards, uh, but you know, he still shared time. The plan is that he's going to continue to share time for their upcoming uh, road games at Indiana, at Oregon State. Um, you know, can Idaho find any any of this big sky over FBS magic? Uh, I doubt it, but we'll, we'll be watching. Uh, as you recall, Idaho, after those two FBS games, gets a bye week, so we're not going to really know too much about Idaho until early October. Two things uh, from this game. Obviously, we talked about Simon Fraser last week. They're the only Canadian football team uh, that uh, participates in the NCAA uh, football um, 
Division Two, obviously, but anything. They're the only Canadian team that really does anything in the NCAA, so interesting thing there. And a little thing I saw on Twitter before this game started off, which was really the only interesting thing about this game. Uh, they did have a, or do have, I should say, a female kicker on Simon Fraser's team. So she, while she is the second string kicker, her name is Christy Elliott, a Whoa. sophomore from North Vancouver, British Columbia. She's number two on the depth chart, and apparently she has a big leg that is waiting and ready when needed, said the coach. So that would have been cool <clears throat> to see that. And it's a, just a little bit of a storyline in an otherwise storylineless game. Yep, yep. Good luck to her whenever she eventually oh. gets in. Another side note, since Idaho is playing Indiana, did you see that Indiana misspelled their name on some of their players' jerseys uh, on the opening game? So uh, we'll see had, if Indiana... Had a rough couple, everyone's had a rough couple months. A lot of FBS schools have had a rough couple, uh, a couple, a rough weekend, really. So yeah. Indiana, who was ranked in the top 20, I don't think they're going to be. I believe they lost this last weekend, uh, but did not look that up. But, you know, if Idaho has a chance to beat a team while they're down, maybe it's uh, Indiana this weekend. But yeah, we'll be that was really all I got Mandels. out of that summer, Fraser. We will. Shout out to the... Shout out to the guys in Moscow. Moscow. Tubs at the club. All right. <laughs> so speaking of the Potato State, Idaho State took on North Dakota. They took on the tra- how do you say? Traitorous. Traitorous? Yeah. They're traitors. Traitors. They're traitors. They're traitors. The UND Hawks this weekend, but did nothing to revenge UND's abandoning of the Big Sky Conference. Rob Fennessy's team kept the game close with a touchdown with 18 seconds left in the half to pull the score to 10-7 to and make you wonder if the Bengals were finally the frisky team that we always think that they may be. But UND put their stamp on the second half and dominated the lowly Bengals by outscoring them 25-7 to in the final two quarters. Bengals quarterback Tyler Vanderwall two words uh gave up the ball gave up the ball three times to the hawks and only completed 19 of his 43 passes if this game is any indication the Bengals will need much more success through the air to compete in the big sky und's running back otis way had a great otis day if you get that one rushing for 114 yards and three touchdowns for north dakota so idaho state 0 and 1 against their uh, you know, starting off the season with, against an FCS school, UND, as you remember, pretty good squad back two years ago, one that we actually kind of wish we still had in the Big Sky Conference because their level of play is better than, you know, the Southern Utahs and the Northern Colorados and stuff. But uh, Idaho State losing 35-14. to 14. Did you get anything out of this game besides they're not too frisky? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the big question we had going into this game was can Idaho State kind of crack that top half of the Big Sky Conference. This was one of the few games where they're going against a similarly rated FCS program, uh, and they got smoked, and they got smoked at home. Um, and so I think that they're going to be a bottom half team. They go to they go to Nevada this weekend. Um, that's a that's a very tough haul, but I think we know who Idaho State is. Maybe got a you know maybe they're fifteen percent frisky. Um, Tyler <laughs> Vanderwall is going to be. Uh, someone to pick you have up. To sing that name. It's going to be someone to pick up for your fantasy teams, your big sky fantasy teams. Um, he'll put up numbers with Tanner Connor, but other than that, we don't need to worry about Idaho State. Nope. On to the next one. And yeah, other teams we don't need to care about or worry about. Cal Poly. Uh, things were starting to look pretty Cal Poly-ish uh, when they started down seven to zero to non-scholarship San Diego on Saturday, but in a twist. The Mustangs scored two touchdowns on a 75-yard and a 60-yard drive uh, to end the half. Uh, the score, the second half, was highlighted uh, with a with a big 75-yard interception return for a touchdown by Elijah Ponder of Cal Poly. Um, yeah, Cal Poly 28, San Diego 17. It was a nice win. This might be their only win of the year. But quarterback Spencer Brash, um, he had a, he had himself a pretty good game. I think that he will be a top-tier 
uh, top half quarterback in the league, 318 yards through the air, two touchdowns. Uh, it is still weird having Cal Poly not running the option, um, but it is who they are. Also, hats off to Coach Bo Baldwin, his first win as head coach of the Cal Poly Mustangs. I hope he savors it because it is going to get a lot, lot, lot harder for Cal Poly. It's going to get a lot harder for Cal Poly, but I did call this game. I'd never trust a non-scholarship school. Thus, I called it on Twitter. The call of the day was Cal Poly to win this game plus 100 when you're looking at your Vegas odds. Easy money, although our resident gambler, who we have not had on the pod yet until he gets his act together, (laughs) Montana Parlay, went with San Diego. So this was my lock of the week and call of the week that I actually got right was uh, Cal Poly getting this win over San Diego. San Diego, little known fact, has the oldest head coach in Division One football <laughs> at 78 years old. So just a little that tidbit there to go along with. Sign. <laughs> that is the only, it's a bad sign, but good for him keeping that job long enough to get to live in San Diego all these years and yep. get to coach football. So who's really winning there? I would say head coach. I don't even know his name. Can't even find it. Yeah. Well, good for him. He probably. Lindsay? Yeah, he wants it that way. He's actually old enough where he only has one name. So that was Cal Poly. That was San Diego. That was not fun. And another game that really was boring as hell. And it featured a school without a star QB that we got used to. The Kevin Thompson-less Hornets of Sac State played their first game in 91 weeks and got a favorable matchup against Dixie State. And they also got their first FCS win of the season. Like I said, it was a boring game. There wasn't much to talk to, but I'll give you a little bit of a mid-recap tidbit. Dixie State will be joining the WAC, who we've already talked about a couple times and no more on this pod, and will be changing their name to Utah Tech next year. What do you think about that name? Well, it's certainly more appropriate than Dixie State. Um, Utah Tech, that seems like uh, a team we'll be beating frequently uh, for the years to come. Exactly. So Utah Tech loses to Sac State 19-7. This is only Sac State's second season opening FCS opponent in the last 19 years. They need that money in that Sac State athletic department, but they did not get to play up on the first uh, first game of this year. They got to play an FCS opponent for the second time in 19 years. Sac State led 5-0 after one quarter, a little baseball score there, and then 12-7, which could also be a baseball score at halftime. Uh, they got a late touchdown in the third quarter to get the eventual final score of 19-7. Sac State did play two quarterbacks. We were wondering who they were going to start, who was going to be the heir to Kevin Thompson's throne. Sac State started Asher O'Hara at quarterback, and then Jake Dunaway did play uh, spottingly during the game. And in a weird twist, Asher O'Hara, the quarterback, had both the most carries, 17, and passing attempts, 21, for the team. So uh, a dual-threat quarterback, maybe, but a 19-7 win over Sac State. He'll be one to watch. It'll be very interesting to see what these Hornets do with a quarterback like that going forward. Can't really take much, I believe, from this game. I would have thought Sac State probably would have scored more points against Dixie State or Utah Tech, whatever you want to call them, if you want to be proactive. Um, but uh, not much to talk about in this game. Sac State does get the FCS win, which, again, we've talked about in scheduling. is huge when it comes to playoff time. But 19-7 Hornets. Yeah, this was a must-win game for them. They they face Northern Iowa next week. Then they go on the road to Cal. Um, both going to be very tough games. So they needed to get this FCS win. And they did it in a way where it's not uh, too inspiring. Um, O'Hara got the start at quarterback. He looked you know, pretty good. Um, and I'm assuming if he got the start, he will continue to get – he did enough to probably get – uh, Troy Taylor's attention and keep him in there uh, going forward. Want to give a shout out to Marshall Martin, who had two touchdowns. He is a preseason All Big Sky tight end. Also was the anchor of my Big Sky Big Takes Fantasy Builder team. So Marshall, thanks for all your production. 
Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it was a, a decent game. It's a win they needed, but overall, I don't think this is going to give people a lot of confidence in the Hornets um, for the season. Twelve point win over Dixie State. Well, in a game that was not played on the mainland, our next game was Portland State Vikings at the Hawaii Warriors in a game that was played in paradise, but with no crowd in attendance. One of the very few around the country that played with no crowd. Portland State looked like they'd be the most lopsided loser of the Big Sky versus FBS crowd. They were down 28 to nothing in the first and 35 to 7 at halftime. But Coach Barnum, he must have summoned the energy of Pro Bowl's pass, played at Aloha Stadium, and outscored the Warriors 28-14 to in the second half. While the Vikings couldn't pull off the comeback and the upset, they were the final Big Sky team to cover the point spread against an FBS opponent, and they actually kept the Big Sky Conference a perfect 8-0 and versus the spread on the opening weekend of football against FBS opponents, which is unbelievable. Yeah. A $100 parlay on that would have netted you $18,000 if you would have picked every Big Sky school oh. to cover the spread against their FBS opponents. If only we knew. cool if you did that. If only we knew that this was going to happen. So Davis Alexander benefited, quarterback Davis Alexander benefited from the second half boost that Portland State got and passed for 400 yards and two touchdowns on the evening and was the best signal caller on Oahu for a night. Again... Do you really lose if you get to go to Hawaii to play football? Yeah, this is, you know, when we try to figure out, like, what we learn from these types of games, uh, Portland State, I'm actually, like, a little higher on them after this game. It's uh, kept it close. They fought back. Their their uh, uh, skill position guys looked really solid. Um, so this is where, even though it's a loss, it's a loss to an FBS team where I think the team, uh, after that flight and recovering from that long flight, can be pretty excited about how things went down. Definitely. Interesting thing. I was looking up some stuff about Hawaii, just thinking about how long it takes teams to get there. A flight direct from the West Coast is about six to seven hours on the way to Oahu. Was looking it up and teams on average will spend about 50000 to to 100000 more for their away games going to Hawaii, <laughs> including airfare, travel, and everything like that. And also shipping all their equipment. They don't get to get it there on semis. They obviously you can't just drive over to Hawaii. Yeah. So uh, it's an interesting little thing there when a team gets to go over and play Hawaii, but I think it's probably going to be uh, a highlight of most Portland State players' careers getting to go over to Aloha Stadium where they played all those Pro Bowls. We grew up watching Pro Bowls uh, and just uh, the paradise of uh, Hawaii to get to play that game. So like you said, Portland State, 35 Hawaii. 49 but none of those portland state kids are losers because they got to play football in hawaii which is pretty cool well nate can we move on to the montana games are you ready for this conversation i'm about 50 percent ready okay i'll start it off you gather yourself this is what we actually want to talk about we got through all those shit games to talk about one of the most exciting sport moments of the past decade uh montana going into seattle to play u-dub the game of the week, maybe the game of the season. Uh, you know, Grizz went in into Seattle, number 20 Washington. This is the same Washington that made the college football playoffs just five years ago. The same Washington that beat Montana 63-7 four years ago. And the same Washington uh, that had been undefeated against Montana for the past 100 years. The Grizz were 23 and a half point underdogs and very much looked it in the first few minutes of the game. Washington's opening dry was an effective 90-play, 78-yard drive that ended with a touchdown from redshirt freshman quarterback Dylan Morris. Uh, who knew that with 10 minutes left on the clock in the first quarter, that would be the last time Washington scored for the rest of the game. Thanks to a Kevin Macias field goal and a Gavin Robertson interception, the Grizz went into halftime down just 7-3. 
During the halftime interview, Coach Bobby Houck said, the best team on the field is the Montana Grizzlies. And oh my God, was he right. I think the general mood among Grizz fans at half was like, oh, it's nice to be this close, but Washington's probably going to pull away. The Huskies will probably be able to put up some quick points. That did not happen. Had some tough defense and other Gavin Robertson interception. The Grizz stayed in the game, kept the score 7-3 into the fourth quarter, and that's when Cam Humphrey led a 10-play, 69-yard touchdown drive that included a third and seven conversion at midfield, a pass from Cam Humphrey to Xavier Harris. The drive was capped by a fake handoff QB keeper to give the Grizz a 10-3 lead, a lead they would not give up for the rest of the game. Another Macias field goal with two minutes left uh, uh, made it so Washington needed a touchdown to win the game. Instead, on the last two drives, uh, they first turned it over on downs, and then Dylan uh, Morris threw his third pick of the night, this one to Marcus Wenell. That iced the game. Uh, I, I just, it, 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 so much about this was, was so exciting. Uh, even on that, that last uh, Grizz field goal drive, they took six minutes off the clock. It was just very smart football. They made no mistakes. They kept it close and they uh, took out, they capitalized on the opportunities given to them. Uh, Nate, what, what were your general thoughts uh, when you saw Montana win this game? You had to have been rooting for the Grizzlies, correct? Wrong uh, as usual <laughs> on that part, but Unbelievable. I mean, it was something that I don't think any of us saw coming. And even when, I mean, it wasn't even looking at it through my <clears throat> disdain for the Grizzlies glasses. Yeah. It was, it wasn't going to happen. Like, you know, I, I mean, I know the Grizz aren't going to be bad this year. There's no way I would have picked them in the, anywhere out of the top four in a preseason ranking. I'm not that, uh, you know, immature about it or not that dumb about it, but it just, there was no way anybody could see this coming against Washington. Like you said, you read all those things. I mean, I was at a Washington game uh, two years ago. The last time they would have fans, it was Washington, Oregon. I was in Seattle watching that game. And with that atmosphere, with the team that they're able to put on the field, with their recruiting, with their money, there's literally no way an FCS, any FCS team, not even North Dakota State, not Sam Houston State, nobody should be able to go in uh, into American or Alaska Airlines Field in Seattle and do this to a perennial top 15 team. Um and it's unbelievable. It just yeah. it was it was unbelievable. Congratulations to the Grizz again. You know, I think we're talking more about this game and Bobby Hawk than the UNLV loss to Eastern Washington. But uh, it's one of those things. You know, he he did uh, compare it to Appalachian State over Michigan uh, in his press conference. I don't know about that. I don't know if Washington is really number twenty team in the country, but it was still it's a still super an impressive unbelievable win. win. And it is, oh, it is. It is. There have been since two thousand four other times when FCS team beat a beat a, a ranked FBS team and a top 25 team. Yeah. Yeah. A top 25 team, NDSU, uh, Eastern Washington over a number 25, Oregon state back in 2013, NDSU over number 13, Iowa state in 2016, James Madison over Virginia tech, who was ranked 13. And then of course app state, Michigan. So when you want to rank those five and then now university of Montana over Washington, if you want to rank those games, they, they, you know, maybe Montana's behind that App State game, but they're still in the same conversation of top tier. Well, yeah, one of five times that this happens, it rarely happens. It is so awesome. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you have to rank those. I think it's it's something is when you read those four games off, and now the fifth game that we get to add to that, you remember all of them yeah. as an FCS fan. So this will be a game that no matter if you're a Grizz fan, a Cat fan, a North Dakota State fan, if you're down, you know, somewhere that's not even around the Big Sky, say you're. You're up there in Maine or Albany or something like that. 
this game caught your attention, yeah. and this will be a game that you remember when you go play somebody that you can win that game. And I think I've seen a lot of the Bobby Hawk stuff and a lot of the players saying like they went into this game not thinking, hey, we're just going to go in there and try and keep it closer. Let's try and cover that spreader. Let's try and just get out of it with no injuries. Like They went in there thinking they could win this game. When I kept, I, I wasn't able to watch this game, but I was checking it on my uh, ESPN app and seeing that it kept, I mean, the score was that close. I thought my phone wasn't uh, update or, yeah. you know, refreshing. I would keep refreshing. And I was like, the, the score hasn't changed. How are the Grizz even in this thing? Or how is this score this way? Um, and so really it's it's a game that we'll always remember that the Grizz went in there and did this. As a Cap fan, I'll still remember that just like all the other four games that you talked about with FCS schools beating ranked opponents. I think it's a huge, huge win for the Grizz. A massive loss for Washington. You know, just the fan in Washington, if you're thinking about Washington, the fans, the recruits, yeah. the alumni, how they're having to be feeling right now seeing this happen. I know Jimmy Lake, the coach at Washington uh, had to apologize to the fan base today in his press conference. He said, so good morning. So the first thing we want to say thank you again to the fans for coming out and supporting us last Saturday. We know that we did not give a performance that was Husky football, and we apologize for that. And we're going back to work to correct that. So Montana threw a massive, massive um, hit to their season, which is now basically over. The Husky season is, yeah. I mean, that's the problem with being in the FBS. Is I mean, there's literally nothing to play for the rest of the season. They get a Pac-12. They go to the Rose Bowl if they win the Pac-12. But if they're anything like the team that showed up against Montana this week, just a brutal way to start the season if you're a Husky fan. But a, you literally could not start it any better yeah. if you're a Grizz I fan. I think Virginia Tech, when they lost to James Madison that year, they, they still won the ACC, still went to a bowl game. But, yeah, I mean, UW had a – like a pretty big hurdle to go over to get into like the playoff discussion. And they just fell flat on their face. Uh, a few fun facts, uh, more fun facts compared to in addition to everything that we've already talked about. Uh, this was the first non FBS team to hold any PAC 12 opponent below 10 points since Grambling state did it back in 1985 to Oregon state. Um, that's a long time. 1985 was a long time ago. Montana native, Great Falls native, CMR star, Ryan Leaf predicted the Huskies to go undefeated this year. That, Ouch. That is, that is not, that's not that's how you want to That's all over Twitter, too. Yeah. No, it's, that's <laughs> a horrible prediction for Ryan. Um, University of Washington paid Montana $675,000 for the pleasure of getting their, their ass kicked at home. Not only, not only that. Ugh. Washington paid Montana about a hundred and I think it was a hundred and twenty-five or a hundred thousand dollars to come play them in basketball, which the Grizz also beat them recently. <laughs> so Washington has paid Mon- University of Montana like over seven hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> almost a million for a loss both in basketball and football, which is just unbelievable. Oh man, a few other points. So just kind of generally speaking, the Grizz winning this game. I mean, hand up. I did not. I was not expecting them to even be competitive in this game to the point where like, I didn't even watch the beginning of the game. Like I starting at halftime when I saw that the score was still close, I stopped what I was doing and I went and found out how to like watch the game. I watched the whole second half, but when they won, it really felt like when your team wins a championship, like every, everyone on Twitter yeah. was talking about it. Um, Sports center had this awesome clip where they gave like a two minute highlight package of the game. Uh, and they were giving shout outs to like Grizz greats, Dallas Neal, Chase Reynolds. They talked about the Mo club, like getting your team in that national spotlight is so much fun. Um, the Seattle times and one of their write-ups after the game tried to blame the loss on injuries to wide receiver, which like I actually left out loud at like you are number 20 FBS program injuries are part of the game. The fact that you're missing a couple players shouldn't, uh, you know, shouldn't stop you from smoking an FCS program. And the Grizz also were really banged up an important position of running back. Um, 
the the uh, the other thing I saw on Twitter, and there's the Seattle Times reporter Mike Vorrell, um, who were saying and kind of kind of criticizing Grizzly players for giving the dubs down sign, um, as it was like they were like taunting Washington by doing this. Couple things: when you're an FCS team and you go on the road and beat an FBS program, you're allowed to taunt that team. You're allowed to celebrate and taunt the team that you just defeated. Period. Other thing. An upside down W is an M. So I didn't see the videos sure they're talking is. about. Maybe they were just uh, uh, giving a shout out to Montana. Um, any other thoughts before we get into the worst take of the weekend? Um, I think uh, as a cat fan, the worst thing about this was probably the recruiting advantage that it gives Montana. Uh, it's just yeah. huge to have, like you were talking about that national spotlight. Like I get it. Like it's a, it's a, it's one game in a long season. It's a great win for obviously the Grizzlies. And just like with UC Davis and Eastern Washington, this game goes on their playoff resume and, is basically out is, is the out kicks everything else out of the room when you're talking if you're putting this on a list of who's going to get into the playoffs not that I think the Grizz are going to struggle to get into the playoffs especially after watching this game but um just what for for in-state recruiting it for yeah for me to see as a Bobcat fan that's the part that hits me the most is that is it how brutal it is to uh see that happen with your in-state rival and wondering how many recruits see yeah. that on ESPN and elsewhere and go there so that was that was kind of my one takeaway there that I, I hate the most like I really wasn't you know, too worried about it. It's great for, for their program. I wasn't, you know, overly depressed or overly uh, excited, but it was, uh, it's just one of those things that you don't love to see your rival. Yeah. Get that kind of yeah. uh, press, but it's one of those things that was, it was really impressive. Like I just never saw it coming and damn, what a, what a memory for all those kids. And I think that's what you have to think about too, is like, this is literally something they'll be talking about for the rest of their lives. The pictures, yeah. the videos, I mean, it's going to be something they're showing their kids, their grandkids, when they, you know, if they go up to Seattle for a Seahawks game, they're going to drive by that stadium and tell all their friends and their family that they, they beat the mighty Huskies there once before. So crazy for them, crazy that it happened. And one of those games we'll remember when you list out uh, massive FCS, FBS upsets. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this kind of jumps the NDSU ESPN game from a while ago as the most exciting Grizz game from the past 10 years. Um the uh, on the recruiting thing, I mean, it's a great point you made because if you are like thinking about, you know, becoming a, a going to the Grizz to play football, you just watched this game or at least saw Sports Center covering this game, the super exciting upset, and now you're likely going into Missoula next weekend to watch a game at a full Washington Grizzlies stadium, the first time in two years. That crowd is going to be insane. Uh, but I do want to get yep. to. Uh, well, there's one more thing that I have to say. Oh, yeah. And it's a little reality check for all the Grizz fans out there. Mm -hmm. Montana State, they beat Colorado mm -hmm. back in two, was that 2004? Yeah, I think 2005? so. 2005? 2005, I think, actually. And um, Chadron State came to town next week, Division II Chadron State, and whooped the Cats. I knew Danny Woodhead was there, yes. But an FCS win, an FCS win over an FBS team does not equal, you know, running the table. And yeah. so I think Western Illinois comes in next week. Washington Grizz, and they pull off the upset a la Chadron State okay. back in uh, 2005 in the beginning of the now. end of Great <laughs> Got it. I, do not, I don't think they're going to lose. <laughs> just, a little, just a little warning shot to all the Grizz yeah. fans out there who are feeling pretty high on the horse. Yeah. You can fall off that horse pretty quickly, and I'm the first person. I left the game at halftime when Montana State was playing Chadron State. It was after that big buff win. I thought we could do you know, no wrong. I thought the Cats were on their way to a national championship. Uh, only to find out that Chadron State's Danny Woodhead ran all over us and we lost that game. So, you know, you can't get too close to the sun. Those the, those wings will melt. Yep. Uh, so just a little just a little warning out there to all the Grizz Nation fans. Yeah, well, when the Grizz beat North Dakota State, 
they either the next weekend or the weekend after that lost to Cal Poly. And so, I mean, there is, it's easy to kind of fall into this trap you're talking about, but I think Bobby Houck will do everything to, to make sure that that doesn't happen. But um, I think if you, if we have to point pinpoint one reason why Washington lost, it falls squarely on the shoulders of this guy, Dan Rayleigh. Um, he jinxed this team so much. The fact that this article came out, he's, he was a writer for Husky Maven and Sports Illustrated. He wrote an article published on August 31st titled, Painfully One-Sided UW-Montana Series Should Come to a Merciful End. Okay, here's some excerpts from, <laughs> from that article. Uh, you should check out the whole thing. I saw the, art, I saw the headline the day of the game, I didn't go back to read the article until yesterday, and it just like fell out of my chair how bad all of these takes are. Uh, here, here's some here's some notes. This matchup does nothing to advance the idea of highly competitive blocking and tackling. It's a beatdown that's unavoidable. One of the biggest physical mismatches since Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob <laughs> Thornton. Very topical. Very, very topical. And when I watch football, what I do want to see is very competitive blocking and tackling. Um, some of more course. some more notes. Husky scrimmages featuring Jimmy Lake's first team against the third unit present more football intrigue than this intersectional main event. Face it, if you go to a late Saturday afternoon game, you'll be gone by the end of the third quarter looking for a moose drool beer. Again, just such a weird thing to shoehorn in there. Um, like a little suspense with your college football, you won't find it here. Big Sky, it's more like the sky is falling once the clock starts ticking. It's FBS versus FCS, and it's LOL. This one effectively will be over shortly after the Grizz team buses pull up to Husky Stadium. And here is the line that this next line is what doomed the Huskies. This is a sightseeing tour of the big city for the mighty men from Western Montana. What a condescending piece of shit. Um, he, if you have this bad of a take, like you kind of have to own it online. Instead, he was on Twitter and was replying to all the Grizz fans that had like retweeted his article or like made fun of him in the comments. Um, like a cute, like uh, being accusatory saying, oh, I, I bet you didn't bet your house on the game. Did you? I don't think so. Like that somehow proved that his article was like a worthy uh, thing to publish. Just so condescending. Um, it is. It makes the win so much sweeter. And Dan Rayley, uh, uh, you had one of the one of the worst weekends of a of a sports writer I, I can think of. He got. I mean, basically got absolutely owned by that one. Uh, I mean, he was. He, <laughs> he was. You know, pretty bad. Pretty bad. Like you said, pretty bad weekend for Mister Dan Rayley. Oh man. And so. I don't think we've got much more to talk about here. I do want to give a no, shout out to three players. Awesome win. Yeah, three players though, because um, this was all defensive end on the Grizzly side. Uh, Mark Marcus Winnell obviously had the the game winning interception. Also had twelve tackles and a sack. Pat, Patrick O'Connell ten tackles, two sacks, and Gavin Robertson had those two interceptions and five tackles. It's a really really solid uh, day from from the Grizz defense, and uh, I just wanted to give those guys a little shout out. And now we can talk about your Bobcats, who also had a very good game. It was a really exciting game. It was. Game. It was a weird game. Was, there was no other way when I got done with this game to describe it as weird. Yeah. Just the weirdest game yeah. I can remember watching um, in a game. It, it was just weird. We're just going to leave it at that right now for weird. So after two long years, like, I don't know how many days, 600 and some days, I don't know. It was so good. 
It was amazing to see the blue and gold back on the field. Montana State returned to that field with a brand new coach, Coach Brett Vegan, which every storyline leading up to this game was that he came from Craig Bowles' squad uh, out of Laramie and a uh, very close relationship with Craig Bowles. So the storylines were kind of cool. Him going back home uh, to the to the team that he had just coached for the last few years after Craig Bowles and him came over from North Dakota State. So Brent Vegan took the field in his debut, and they had a chance to knock off FBS in Mountain West Power, I don't know if it's yeah, Power, team. Wyoming. They made a couple bowl games. Team. Yeah. They had Josh West Allen team. once. Yeah. Mountain West team. Well, the Cats took an early lead 7-0 thanks uh, to an interception by Oregon State transfer Jeffrey Manning. And it gave Matt McKay in the offense a very short field. Matt McKay, they just started out throwing with this yeah. guy. And it was pretty awesome to see the Cats, dare I say, have a quarterback? I Maybe. Think so. Yeah. I've, he looked I've, good. I've, he I've, looked yeah, the part. I thought he looked great. He looked great. So the Cats took that early 7-0 lead on that short field. The touchdown going to Bozeman. Uh, I just totally lost my notes here. <laughs> <laughs> to Lance McCutcheon. Sorry. I knew it's a Bozeman Hawk. Uh, former Bozeman Hawk, Lance McCutcheon. McCutcheon had a fantastic day. Five receptions, 71 yards in that season opening touchdown. I think he's going to have a huge season. So holding a 7-3 lead going into the fourth quarter, the Bobcats and Cowboys began trading the lead back and forth. It was 9-7 Cowboys. Then it was 10-9 Bobcats. And then 12-10 Cowboys. The Cats came back and took the lead 16-12 on a Matt McKay touchdown pass to a tight end. Montana what? State using a tight end. On a pass to Sunburst, Trait, and Pickering. But the Cats had left too much time on the clock. They scored too easily. And that sleepy Cowboy Joe offense came to life on its final drive. The Bobcats brought the heat deep in their own territory. Wyoming quarterback Sean Chambers caught the Bobcats spying. And then another Trayton. Trayton Walsh. Two Traytons in the same So game? many Traytons. That's Field a weird was one. Filled so many Traytons. Filled with Traytons. They were everywhere. Up the seam for a 21-yard touchdown drive that broke the hearts of Bobcat fans everywhere. But the Cats had a chance. With 47 seconds left, Montana State started driving down the field. And they looked like they were on a little bit. They had some little bit of momentum. They got to midfield, but Isaiah Fonse caught a short pass and could not get out of bounds. And the clock ran out on the Bobcats in what was one of the weirder endings of the game. We had one official... Waving his hands to stop the clock like the Bobcats got a first down while all the other official wound the clock because they didn't think he got to the sticks. The ESPN scoring app showed first down Bobcats yep. with the clock stopped and a chance for another play. Matt McKay would have had a chance to heave the ball about 40 yards, 45 yards into the end zone for a possible Hail Mary to knock off FBS Wyoming, but it was no dice there. A lot of questionable officiating on both sides of this game, not only against Montana State, but against Wyoming. It was just a weird, choppy game that never seemed like any team would ever get momentum. The teams barely scored in the first three quarters, and then in the last five possessions, the team scored. Montana State looked like it was going to be scoring on its sixth possession if the time went around, that damn clock, how that happens. Um, but a really weird game. Montana State ends up losing 19 to 16 to the Mountain West Wyoming uh, to Mountain West's Wyoming in Laramie. With two minutes left in that game, the Bobcats had an 87.1 win uh, probability to win that game. I was feeling the optimism. I thought this was the time we were going to get this FBS win, like we did against Colorado. That I keep talking about today, since so many teams did upset FBS teams. Yep. But just coming down, coming down to the wire, they left too much time on that uh, scoreboard for Wyoming. Uh, I saw some things on Twitter with fans suggesting maybe the Cats should have uh, went for the field goal uh, before scoring that last touchdown to leave less time on the clock. But at that point, I think you take the seven and get out of there um, and let uh, you know let your defense, who was dominant yeah. for most of the day, it makes sense. Take over. So, like I, 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 
I bet you Coach Vegan felt very confident giving the ball back to Wyoming. Like, a lead, giving them the whole field that they had to march down. And what, they got the ball back with, like, three minutes left, four minutes left? Like, it was mm-hmm. – uh, it, it made sense. Like, uh, there's a lot of confidence for the Cats to be able to hold them off. You're going to win this game and put that uh, – you want to get that confidence on your defense. Yeah. You know, we talked about in the grand scheme of things, this game does not hurt the Cats. It had the potential to be a massive boost for the Cats when it comes to playoff time, a massive boost for their psyche, a massive boost for the fan base. But I think any Bobcat fan was actually, you know, while disappointed, impressed – with the product that was put on the field. Not only did we not know what we had in this Montana State team, technically, we knew the players, we knew the talent we had, but not being able to see them for two years, you really didn't know what was going to be showing on the field. We had a coach making his debut, much like our former head coach, Jeff Choate, lost by three to an FBS squad when Montana State lost by three to Idaho uh, mm-hmm. about five years ago. Uh, some comparisons there. But this Wyoming team was a much better team than Idaho Vandals team that Montana State took on that year. Um, and so this one was heartbreaking not to come away uh, with the win, but gives you some optimism for this season that, uh, you know, Montana State opened up the the last FBS opponent I believe they opened up with was Texas Tech. They allowed like 35 first downs at Texas Tech, only 17 to Wyoming. Yeah. And a huge, huge bright spot. And, you know, I thought he got snubbed in all of the different All-American and All-Big Sky teams was Isaiah Ifonse, 16 carries, 103 yards, 6.4 average yard per carry. Uh, 29 was his long run, but he put back-to-back runs um, in the fourth quarter, I believe, for about 42 yards between those two runs. He looks every part of the star running back that we thought he was when he's doing this against FBS line. Montana State offensive line deserves a lot of that credit, too. You could tell at the very beginning of the game, Montana State was trying to stretch the field. A lot of sweeps. They were trying to go outside. Isaiah Fonse didn't touch the ball for a while there to start the game, uh, but they started wearing down that Wyoming line, and Isaiah Fonse, uh, just like he has in years past, doesn't go down after that first hit. I thought he was phenomenal. I am so excited to watch him play against FCS opponents um, if he can do this against Wyoming. And then we talked about it for a second, Matt McKay. Yeah. 19 of 28, 200 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He looked good. He missed a couple throws here and there, which will obviously happen. But his first game ever for Montana State, I was impressed. I'm excited to see him. He outdueled Sean Chambers of Wyoming um, by, you know, four more yards. Uh, he had two touchdowns compared to Sean Chambers' one and didn't turn over the ball, like I said. Impressed with Matt McKay. He just, I mean, it, if you look at the numbers, it almost is like a game management type of day with 200 yards, 19 of 28. Just didn't do anything wrong. Um, but there's just so, you can just tell there's so much more confidence, and I, I just see so much more when he gets comfortable. I think running the ball, he did look a little hesitant when yeah. the pocket broke down to actually take off. You can tell he's athletic. You can tell he can run, and you know he only had nine carries for 11 yards on the day. I think if they can get that dual threat going, this guy is going to be a weapon for the Cats and something that we necessarily didn't have with with uh, Bauman and uh, Rovig, and can throw the ball and like you know obviously Tra- um, uh, Troy uh, a few years back. So. There was a stat on there. This is the Montana State's sixth starting quarterback in the last six years, but I think Matt McKay is one that might be holding that job down um, for the rest of the year performance-wise. Yeah, if he stays healthy, I mean, it looks like you finally found a quarterback, right? Like, Wyoming is an FES program, solid defense, and McKay looked very, very confident out there. Um, he, it, It's not like we're not – we don't have to make excuses. Like, well, he looks good for a linebacker, or he looks good – you know, despite having a really shaky game or making bad mistakes, he showed flashes. Like, he was just very competent. And uh, I, if I were you, I think my takeaway from this game would be Mac McKay's the real deal. I do feel bad for uh, Afonso because I think his, you know, not getting out of bounds at the end of the game kind of overshadowed that he had a really nice game. He ran through his stats. Um, but, you know, it's, it's also kind of hard to knock him where it looked like, he had a lot of confidence that he was going to get that first down. 
Um, and it looked like he got it. And it I looked mean, like the he official got came it. in yeah, and I mean, stopping the clock, which was the weirdest thing to end the game. Yeah. Yeah, Wyoming runs onto the field. Nobody knows what the hell's happening. The officiating, like we said, was garbage all day. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, again, to be an FBS program, unless you're Eastern Washington on their farewell tour, you need to really minimize <laughs> mistakes. The Bobcats, you know, they lost a fumble. That Isaiah Afonso. In the, in the red zone. Yep. Uh, blunder, missed field goal. And it was a long field goal. I think it was over four. I think it was 45-yard field goal to, to um, you know, miss that field goal. It's just like those things add up. You really have to play mistake-free football if you're jumping up a level, trying to get that upset. Um, but, you, you know, I, I, I had, you know, I think everyone had the Bobcats in the top five of the Big Sky Conference, or at least they should have. Um, top four on most things. Nothing from this game uh, should deter anyone from ranking them in in the the top four or five of the conference. This is a team to be, you know, I think there's some questions like, could they come back from the success they had under Jeff Choate? I think they answer those questions. This is a very, very good football team. Um, and they proved it in this, in this very tight game to, to uh, Wyoming. Yeah. And a uh, shout out to Blake Glessner, the freshman uh, kicker for Montana state drilled a 53 yard field goal yeah. with about three minutes and, or um, I'm not sorry. Uh, at the 10:23 mark of the fourth quarter to put the cats up 10 to nine, the announcer said it probably would have been good from about five to six yards more. So he absolutely hammered that yeah. to put the caps up cats back up 10 to nine and uh, shout out, uh, you know, Bobcat special teams. They had a punt return touchdown called back with a phantom block in the oh, back to that start was out the such third a bad quarter. call. Such a bad call, such a brutal, brutal uh, turn of events there. So, you know, like I said, it was weird because I felt like Montana state was the better team. Throughout this whole game, like their defense, uh, their run defense looked phenomenal. You know, uh, uh, Wyoming had a pretty highly touted running back in Xavier Valade. He was 19, carry 77 yards, so they held him to 4.1 and a touchdown. But he didn't quite have the game that he probably going into this game thought he was going to have against an FCS opponent. Montana State's run defense looks legit, uh, which is really encouraging to see. You know, all in all, like I said, I'll kind of reiterate from the beginning, weird game. A lot of confidence in the Cats going into their next two games against kind of some low-tier FCS opponents that are really hopefully going to get some numbers up there for the Cats. Yeah, you know, get them some uh, get them some confidence against players on their I would say own level, but levels. What do they matter anymore after this weekend of, of football between yeah. FCS and FBS? But just uh, an all-around like a, a weirdly depressing game at the end because you don't want to be the cliche like you know the Cats lost that game or you know. What could have been? It's just, it was a weird way to end the game there with nobody really knowing what was going on. Yeah. But all in all, encouraged for the rest of this season, really excited and positive for the rest of the season. It was really cool to see Vegan put a team on the field. And, you know, it shows that his players, uh, they have the talent and they've also bought into his, his style. And he got a team ready to go down there after not playing for two years almost and put a scare into another FBS squad. And they were, you know, they were 19 and a half point dogs when that game started and they lost by three and had every chance of winning that game. So, uh, not the game that, you know, the Grizz had against UW, but an encouraging game against the smaller UW of uh, Wyoming. Yeah, well, and that last Wyoming drive uh, to win it was shocking because it was the first time all game they moved the ball like that. Like, Montana State defense held them. It, it was a very impressive outing. But, like, that yeah. last drive was just – I couldn't really believe what I was watching because it, it just seemed like they had been so good and Wyoming's offense had been so bad up until that point. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like in a video game when you're playing Madden or something like that, and you've been shutting down your friend all day, and then just one drive, yeah, 
just goes crazy and you're like, how is this happening? Why is this happening? Like, where does this change? What, what point does this change? You don't know if nerves set in after not playing that long. Yeah. You know, if you, I mean, they haven't closed out a game in, in, in years, literally. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a disappointing last drive there. Disappointing way to end the game with all that confusion from the referees, but, uh, not, not mad about it, not sad about it. And yep. Very encouraged to see what the Cats can do uh, as we go forward this season. This would have been a great one to get come playoff time. But, again, like you said, doesn't hurt them. They moved up a number in the polls. And uh, all in all, I'm just so glad Cats football is back and had an amazing showing in Laramie. Yeah, things to look forward to if you're a Cat fan, your next five games. with the, We don't have updated Sagarin ratings, so the preseason uh, rankings, Drake, Sagarin, 240 out of 250 teams. San Diego, 223. Portland State, 181. UNC 203, Cal Poly 216. So you have five FCS games where you're going to be more than a touchdown favorite going into them. All should be victories for the Bobcats. Um, and that is something really to look forward to. Get some momentum going into that Weber State night game on ESPNU in mid-October. Exactly. So, well, like that, that was week one. I don't even know if week two is going to come close no chance it can't. close to touching this it was so fun i was it was, it was just so fun so that was week one and before so let's a get into oh, yeah. a couple other segments um but before we do just want to give shout outs a few shout outs we forgot to do at the top of the show laney lou and the bird dogs thanks so much for playing us in they'll also be playing us out this episode laney lou and the bird dogs um through the smoke <laughs> laney lou board and the dogs. Bird dogs um <laughs> Uh, through the smoke, check them out on Spotify, see where they're playing anywhere near you. Um, and also just want to give a shout out to the Montana Mint Podcast Network. Besides Nate and I on Montana Mint Sports, we have the Grizz Fan Podcast, which is the number one podcast in the state of Montana. Montana Murder Mystery is Notorious Unsolved with author Brian D'Ambrosia, where he looks through uh, uh, some of the weirdest murders in Montana. Uh, very good. We have three episodes out on that. We have one episode out on a new podcast, the Land Grab Podcast. Um, that gets into everything related to housing and land in Montana, a big historical deep dive by, uh, uh, John hooks and Matt Newman, two reporters from the state. They are currently fundraising to complete the season. So go throw them a few bucks at landgrabpodcast.com and then check out Montana trivia championship and big sky, big takes, uh, one Montana, uh, trivia game show and the other a weekly or bi-weekly, uh, around the horn type. <laughs> Uh, 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 Big Sky Conference thing. But on that, let's move on to these other segments. All right. So we're hoping, like we said, that week two brings the heat like week one did. It was so fun. We're still excited. Week two, not quite the slate of games we might have had in week one. Maybe not the excitement. But it's football in September nonetheless. So coming up here in Big Sky Week 2, our matchups go Northern Arizona at South Dakota. We have Central Washington traveling to Cheney to play the Eagles. UC Davis heading down to San Diego to play the Toreros. We have Portland State heading over to the Palouse to play Washington State. We have Northern Colorado going to Houston Baptist. We have Idaho at Indiana, previously ranked Indiana. We don't know what they'll be ranked when this game comes around. We have Drake at Montana State. We have Western Illinois coming to Washington Grizzly Stadium to play the Grizz. We have Northern Iowa at Sac State. We have Cal Poly at Fresno State. Weber State travels to Dixie State. And finally, we have Idaho State taking on Nevada in Reno for a very late start after the Lights game. Bear, which which game 
first piques your fancy? Which one are you excited about from this slate besides our Montana State Montana? Yeah, so one that I, I'm, I'm excited just to see how they do against a similar uh, level of competition is Northern Colorado um, going to Houston Baptist. Houston Baptist is an FCS program, Nate. Uh, but I, I, I'm just I want to see what the McCaffrey squad uh, can do there. Um, the other game I am interested in is is the Battle of Utah, two, uh, with Weber State going against uh, the the soon to be Utah Tech Dixie State. Um, those kind of jump out to me. Sac State Northern Iowa was interesting just because every year Northern Iowa would kind of overinflate their ranking and. They just have like this legacy for whatever reason. But uh, I mean, they played Iowa State super tough this weekend. They were within a touchdown of Iowa State and mm-hmm. had a chance to win it at the end. Number seven, Iowa State, uh, who some folks had going uh, as a potential uh, college football playoff team. Like it's the, the fact that Northern Iowa did so well there. Um, it, it's pretty exciting to see. And I, you know, Sac State playing Dixie State, they looked a little flat. I, this will be a great, great test for them. I'm excited to see kind of what the outcome there is. What about you? First up on my list, only because of the storyline of South Dakota last week, Northern Arizona playing South Dakota. If you didn't catch this one, South Dakota played up last week against, in name only, FBS <laughs> KU Jayhawks uh, in Lawrence, Kansas, and got beat 17-14, to 14, which is pretty impressive for South Dakota. I mean, it's an FBS squad only losing by three. The thing is the Jayhawks hadn't won a game in a year and a half. Not only did the Jayhawks win this game 17-14 to with a late touchdown, the fans or fan that was at the game stormed the field afterwards. Uh, and I don't know if it was an ironic or uh, what kind of display it was, but KU got their first win in forever. Fans stormed the field, beating South Dakota Coyotes. So it's going to be interesting to see how South Dakota responds to that. Um, another interesting tidbit about that South Dakota game from last week, their quarterback had 98 yards passing. Uh, their team had 165 yards rushing as a team, so barely over 240 yards of offense um, for South Dakota last week and still almost knocked off an FBS opponent. So it'll be interesting to see what South Dakota can do against a team that's going to struggle this year in NAU. So that was kind of my first one I wanted to see just because of the a, hilarity of Kansas. The fact that they, yeah, the fact Kansas <laughs> storming the, the field. field um, I mean, good for them. You, let's normalize rushing the field. It's so fun. Um, like they had the time of their life, but that is, that's like if the, yeah, the Bobcats beat, uh, university of great falls and rush the floor. Yeah, um, exactly. It's, it's a, it's a tough, tough look, tough look for KU football. But again, obviously they're not a, they're definitely not a football school. So nobody will even notice that really that happened there. My second game I was looking at was Portland state at Washington state. I have plenty of friends who are Washington state alumni. Some of them who say they will never watch a Cougars game again, as long as Rolovich is coach. Ties to Montana State. His brother, Jack Rolovich, was a quarterback for Montana State um, in the late 2000s. Uh, and so his brother, Nick Rolovich, is not making any friends up at Washington State, losing to Utah State last week. They were 19, I'm sorry, they were 17 and a half point favorites over Utah State and couldn't finish it off. They actually lost that game. Um, he's also been very outspoken about his. Um, not getting vaccinated, even though the state of Washington is making all public employees get vaccinated. We'll see if he lasts more than two other games here into the season as they get to that vaccination deadline. It's just a really weird vibe up there in Pullman uh, for Washington State. They, they, they uh, welcome in Portland State, who played Hawaii decent in Hawaii. 
last week. So I watched this game only to see if Portland State can somehow pull off this upset, FCS, FBS upset. I will have so much fun texting my friends, which is why this one is 100% on my watch list to see if we can get some big sky pride, take down another Pac-12 school, and just keep Eastern Washington at the top of the state of Washington power rankings in football right now. I like it. Sean Rainey uh, made a good point on Twitter, a good suggestion on Twitter, where if an FCS program beats an FBS program, it should be written into the contract that then the FBS program needs to travel to the FCS school at a point in the future. Um, imagine if, that would be awesome. imagine if that was on the line, Washington state maybe needing to go and play in that weird <laughs> high school stadium in Portland. That would be awesome. So that was the second game I wanted to, to check out in my third game. If we're not looking at the Montana state, Montana games yet, is Idaho State traveling to Reno to play Nevada. The only reason I really want to see this game, not because I think Idaho State's going to get frisky and do anything fun, is that Nevada has a NFL prospect at quarterback in Carson Strong. He was just recently named the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week. Yep. He threw for 312 yards, 22 of 39 passes. He is on a lot of the team's draft board. He's a name that not a lot of people know, kind of like a Trey Lance. Um, maybe even a Carson Wentz. They were probably a little bit more well-known than this guy. But, you know, his stats last year in the shortened season, he completed 70% of his passes, almost 3,000 yards, 27 touchdowns to four interceptions. Uh, so he had a fantastic year. This is a guy that a lot of NFL teams are going to be looking at. So kind of fun when a Big Sky team gets to play a guy like this that, you know, you could be watching on Sunday. So that's why this game I kind of circled on this, this week's slate of games just to see how Idaho State uh, can take on a, you know, uh, an NFL signal caller, a potential NFL signal caller. They had a little bit of trouble stopping uh, North Dakota, obviously, last week. So I don't think this is any – I mean, we're not going to put this on our list of upset alerts or anything like that. I circled this one just because I do want to see Carson Strong play and see if uh, what the hype is all about. And he should be able to throw it all over Idaho State as long as he's still in if this game doesn't get out of hand. Absolutely. Good list. A lot of good uh, – don't think we'll have the same success over the FBS, but uh, very, very excited uh, for this upcoming slate. And how about, you know, we? Uh, it, it's going to be a tough one this weekend for the Grizzlies this and Grizz fans. It's going to be in, in terms of getting ramped back up. Now, this is that Washington game is going to be a game that you are probably still celebrating into midweek, still talking about it, tweeting about it, listening to podcasts about it, reading articles about yep. it. Then you have to switch your psyche back over to playing another game. Like the season's not over yet. A lot easier for fans than it is for players. I'm sure. I'm sure they're just as entrenched in all of the articles and everything as as we are. But kind of give me your thoughts on what you're looking at this week as Western Illinois travels to Washington Grizzly Stadium. What are your initial thoughts on this one as you look the at the Leathernecks? Um, yeah, I mean it, you're right. Like there is always. Uh, yeah, first off, as we saw this weekend, upsets happen. Crazy things happen. Um, with the Montana state comparison from 16 years ago, you know, you can get overhyped (laughs) and come down to earth quickly. Um, uh, but overall, you know, Western Illinois is the Grizz should be big favorites in this. Uh, and I expect them to take care of business. It is a, this is a real FCS program. Um, but it's a, the, the fans are going to be hyped up. This is the first, you know, real game the spring games, you know, people are excited at this is going to be that on steroids. People are going to be turned out because of the Washington uh, game. It, it's just, I, I don't think we can, uh, the, it's going to be so electric in the crowd um, where 
I have to think that Bobby Houck is making sure his guys don't take the eye off the ball. So what I'm looking for, I, I suspect this is going to be a closer game than we'd like it to, but I think the Grizz are going to uh, win. I have a lot of confidence in them going into in, going into Missoula this weekend. Yeah, Western Illinois is coming off a 31-21 to loss to the Ball State Cardinals. Uh, Western Illinois did have some success uh, passing against Ball State. Their quarterback, Connor Sampson, was 30-43 of for 367 yards, a couple TDs and an interception. They had... To, Almost no rushing attack against Ball State, rushing for only 70 yards. Uh, it looks like the big name from West Illinois so far, at least so far after the first game, is their receiver, Dennis Houston. 12 receptions, 237 yards, a couple touchdowns. He had a 75-yard touchdown uh, catch in that game. So if you're looking at it, and like we've always said, Barry Tycoon and I have never, ever said that we are experts on either Montana Montana State, nor do we care about stats, footwork, recruiting. No. Any advanced metrics by any means. Yeah. Um, we look at stats on box scores and we figure that that's the Bible. So Dennis Houston, probably an NFL caliber wide receiver after 200, averaging 237 yards a game this year. Uh, so I will be watching for him and their quarterback, Connor Sampson, because that's the only two players that had any stats worth me looking at from last week's loss to Ball State. Yeah, well, I mean, just with our dumb brains, like the reason I'm partially yeah. hesitant um, about this is the last time these guys played Western Illinois beat Montana three years ago, Bobby Houck's first season. Um, if I remember correctly, the Grizz were also favored there, but they were on the road in Western Illinois. Um, that's going to stick in my brain. If the Grizz win this game, then the next time these two teams play, I'll assume the Grizz are going to dominate because of it. The next time the Grizz play university of Washington, I'll assume that they're going to win it just because yeah. of the last game. But um it, yeah, like Nate said, we're not big on uh, – we don't care about other FCS conferences. That's on our list of things we don't care about. Um, and so I don't have a good read for, for this or the other out-of-conference games. But I'm The only other up. preparation I'm doing for this game – only other preparation I did to look at this game is Western Illinois. Um, they allowed 216 yards rushing to Ball State, which I don't know what that means, if that's, you know, what – uh, their weakness is so yeah. um, you know Bobby Houck if you're listening I would say run the ball on uh, during this game I think that you're going to be able to exploit Western Illinois weaknesses that way um, overthrowing against them so that's my coaching advice to Bobby Houck if he is listening yeah um, I'm sure he is hey coach and uh, um, yeah <laughs> the you know we kind of got into Montana State's um, upcoming games and you know to kick off all of these games going against Drake uh, this weekend, a really crummy FCS program, but an FBS program nonetheless. What are your thoughts kind of looking forward to week two, the first game in Bozeman? Well, Drake always has a a weird memory for me. I know, we, you know, Coach Ash came from Drake. We played a home and away against Drake a few years back. So whenever I see Drake on the schedule, I just get bored. Like the name's kind of boring. It makes me think of the rapper who just dropped an album. It makes me think of Coach Ash, the most boring, emotionless coach that we had at Montana State for years we went from Mike Kramer to Ash to Choke. Like yep. talk about a U, a U-shaped graph there in terms of excitement uh, for a program. So Drake puts me to sleep just reading that they're on the schedule. Let alone now we have to, you know, play them on Saturday. But Drake Bulldogs are a non-scholarship school from the Pioneer Football Conference or Pioneer Football League. It's the same um, conference that San Diego is a part of. Um, a little tidbit about them the 1922 Drake Bulldogs football team is considered by many Many, and I think I'm probably one of them, to be one of the greatest in Drake history and is, to date, the only undefeated Drake football team ever. Oh, that's a good factoid. 
1922, yep. Uh, during the 1926 homecoming activities, Babe Ruth visited and suited up for a Drake scrimmage. <laughs> so, as you can see, they've had a the heyday of Drake football was in the 1920s. Um, you know, since then, <laughs> I love it, the Wikipedia article. This the most successful Drake team in the modern era of college football <laughs> was the 1981 Drake Bulldogs team. So um, rough. Yeah, as you can see, the 1920s, huge for Drake. We're in the 2020s. Will history repeat itself? I don't think it will. Yeah. We are in 2022. It's the 100-year anniversary of that Drake football team. We'll see if that means anything uh, to them when they come out on the field on Saturday. But, you know, Drake, if you don't remember, they're out of Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I do remember. They, uh, they, they, um, there's just really not much exciting about Drake football. On a scale of 1 to 10, opinion. how confident are you on the Bobcats winning this Saturday? Oh, I'm, you know... I don't know the spread yet. Obviously, we're recording this. Um, happy Labor Day, everybody, by the way. We're recording this on Monday. Um, and so I don't know. We don't know the lines yet. I will check this one out. I have a feeling it's going to be a very large, large, massive line. Over 20? Um, I think it will be. Yeah. I, well, I think it'll be right at that 20 yeah. mark, um, which scares me. There's a little thing. Uh, I was with a couple of buddies this last weekend, uh, an Oregon State Beavers fan, a Washington State Cougars fan, and myself. And we now have a, a running bet for the rest of the season. All of our teams, if our teams don't cover the spread – in a specific game, uh, we have to chug a beer and send the video to the other two members of the group <laughs> within one hour of the loss, no matter where you are. Oh, that's awesome. Every hour that you don't do it is another beer that you have to <laughs> chug. So if, you, if you're if you at a wedding and you have to wait two hours, it's two beers you have to yeah. chug when you get them the video. So I am a little bit worried about this spread being large. It's added a new kind of uh, anxiety, like I need any more of that in my life, a new anxiety to these games. Um, where now I really need them to cover spread or I will be chugging a beer on video. Not like I can't do it, but you know, I don't want to get caught somewhere where I, you know, I'm at a store or something, can't get it within the hour. Totally. But either way, I think it's going to be, I think that's going to be probably the biggest excitement for me. Uh, this coming weekend is going to be making sure that Montana state covers the spread. Besides that, it is a gold rush game. It's going to be pretty cool to see that. It's going to be under the lights. It's going to be all those yellow t-shirts, which is always a really, really fun atmosphere at Bobcat stadium. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. Drake did knock off West Virginia Wesleyan Bobcats last week. So they're playing back-to-back -back Bobcats. I don't think they're going to have the same type of success. They uh, absolutely dominated Wesleyan, which I believe is like a Division Two or Division Three. Yeah, team, Division Two. Um, from obviously Division Two from West Virginia. So um, you know they they got their they got one W against the Bobcats team. I don't believe it's going to happen again. And um, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean I think the biggest takeaway is that Babe Ruth. Uh, Suited up for the Drake Bulldogs at one point. Yeah, good factoid. I'm sure that'll come up uh, on the conversation. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think both games are on ESPN+. Plus. You are correct. Both games are on ESPN+. Not all the games were one this small weekend, other note. including no, true. Montana. Like, I had to, to keep... And Montana State. I had to keep refreshing uh, the Pac-12. Uh, I was watching it in, like, an incognito browser because you just got, like, the stream free <laughs> for five minutes. I'm sure. I'm sure that's why. <laughs> but it was it's such a mess. But now go like I, the games I watched were were great. Um, the app was super easy to use. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's going to be just a great benefit. One thing I noticed, I think, because all these games were on ESPN Plus, but some of the the guys online who like do big highlight packages after the game, um, there's now like all these FCS games, all these big sky games, because I think the video files are just that much easier to get. So I watched like a condensed version of the UC Davis game um, and it was awesome. So the benefits were, we never even anticipated that, but we're getting them and it's, it's a nice little plus for sure. For sure. 
And then one little tidbit about Drake, you and I were kind of talking about a very well-known thing that Drake's known for is their Drake relays in which I have a a bone to pick with that. The last time Montana State played Drake, you had to actually pay Drake $10 to be able to watch the Cats. So obviously this is, I think, pre-Pluto, pre-ESPN Plus and all that kind of stuff. So you actually had to like pay $10 to get a school school produced game. And for the last five, six years, whenever that was that we played them, I cannot get off their emailing list. (laughs) It is unbelievable. I get emails about the Drake Relays once a year and then everything about Drake Athletics about once a week. I have unsubscribed dozens and dozens of times and it will not go through i hate drake yeah. i hate their athletic department and the fact that they email me all the time and i hate the drake relays which is regarded them. as yeah. one of the top it's it's actually one of the top relays uh or top track and field events in the united states but i hate it get me off your damn emailing list Do you want to know it's a secret how to get something like that done so university yes. presidents their emails are always on the website if you email him Enough times, he's going to just forward the email to the head of the IT department and be like, take care of this. <laughs> and they're going to get the email from the head of the university. They're going to drop everything and do it. Go directly to the top. Otherwise, you're not going to get I'm going to go. That's I'm writing that down right now. Yeah. I will go to the drake.edu website yep. and go into the top. I like it. <laughs> so it's a it's a fun. It'll be a fun two games. Obviously, this weekend, I think it's two wins. From I think you and I both agree yeah. it's two wins. It's U of M beating uh, Western Illinois. It's Montana State beating uh, Drake. You and I will have our predictions on if they'll cover the spread when those spreads come out later this week, and we'll probably both tweet out our picks for the week. Our if we have a uh, you know some gambling picks, some locks, we're going to tweet those out um, as they start coming out uh, throughout the week. But when you look at uh, the Big Sky Conference as a whole, we we do obviously talk a lot about the Big Sky Conference. We don't just concentrate on the Grizz or just concentrate on Montana State. We're equal opportunity podcasters uh, for the whole of the Big Sky. And one thing that you and I are both very proud of is our presence in the national top 25 poll, um, the stats, yeah. uh, FCS top 25. I think it's fantastic after week one. And I think it would be a lot different if we didn't have preseason polls and everybody started out at zero. Yes. And then you ranked the teams on their body of work. I think we would have a different number one and all of kind of that. But Montana, the big mover of the week for the Big Sky Conference, they went up from number nine to number four. I think you would have to, if they didn't start the year out at number nine, there's no way they are not your number one team in the country right now based on their body of work. Sam Houston takes the top spot, but they only beat NAU. How? I mean, the Grizz should be number one in all of the polls right now after knocking off a, num- uh, a top 20 FBS team. But uh, the Grizz lead it off at number five. Or I'm sorry, they're at number four. Yes, I'm number sorry, four, they're number five, four started out votes, number nine. Yeah. Five first place votes, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's it, we don't follow the rest of the FCS that closely, so it's a point of pride to see you know the Grizz, the Cats ranked, any Big Sky school kind of ranked up here. Uh, but you're right, like... It, like why are these three other schools ahead of of the Grizz? They are they have the most impressive win in the FCS, one and zero. The only team to knock off a ranked FBS team. That's a great you know resume booster. But um, it's how these polls go. We complain about them often. Montana uh, ranked number number four, five first place. Votes. The only team maybe they could be behind is South Dakota State. Who shout out South Dakota yeah. State for a little bit of Smoked FCS them. pride. Absolutely. <laughs> jacked Colorado State shit up <laughs> 42 to 23 oh um, on Friday night like South Dakota State just absolutely went over to uh, are they in Fort Collins I don't even know where so they I, are it's um, funny you mentioned killed Colorado yeah, State yeah it's funny you mentioned Drake and how you get contacted by them I always get like in my Twitter uh, like in my Twitter timeline I'm always getting updates on Colorado State and I recently went back <laughs> to be like I don't like this team like 
did the Grizz play them? Like, why did I start following all these like writers and school accounts? And I traced it back to they had a coach opening a couple years ago. And so I was contacting everyone I could find <laughs> That's right. about uh, hiring Jeff Choate. Um, so, <laughs> That's right. So now I'm cursed with uh, having to follow Colorado State. And they tweeted yeah, out like right very to sad um, after that loss to South Dakota State. Uh, a very sad like, you know, come out for the game next week. Like we're going to like go get them. Like <laughs> we'll try harder. Yeah, it's so depressing. But yeah, South Dakota so, State hats off to them. What a, what an awesome win. That's a, that was a cool one. That was a cool one. So Montana actually ranked above North Dakota State. You just don't see that very yeah. often. You don't see North Dakota State in a full season out of number one or number two. So it's interesting. Montana back ahead of North Dakota, North Dakota at five. We have our next big sky team, Eastern Washington. They jumped four spots as well from number 11 to currently number seven in the FCS with their massive or not massive, but their big win yeah. against, Bobby Houck's UNLV. So Eastern Washington gets up into that top 10 after just being outside of it. Um, then we have a weird drop down for one of our schools, Weber State. Yeah. Um, Weber State plays Utah decent. Yet they drop four spots. They go from number six to number 10 in the rankings. I think you just had to make room for Montana up there. You had to make room for uh, Eastern Washington to jump up there. Yeah, but like, um, why is North Weber State Dakota was kind of the. Them. That, like that doesn't Dakota, make sense either because North Dakota, yeah, all they, they did was knock off Idaho NAU, State. am I right? Idaho no, State. Sorry. Idaho State, um, yeah. And like, yeah. not an impressive win. I, I mean, the Weber State Weekly guys, check them out. Uh, they have great content, great podcasts. Uh, they were upset and like kind of tweeting like, you know, it's you, like an FBS loss shouldn't harm you this much. And I mean, they, yeah. they did drop out of the top 10. Um, but, you know, it, it, I think it is kind of to make room. Uh, these polls in the end, don't really matter that much. We expect Weber that's the nice State, part about yep um, to yep. continue to take care of business. But uh, yeah, I mean Weber State ten, Montana State eleven. Uh, they jumped up one spot after a three point loss. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Weber State drops back after that. Montana uh, drops back after a loss to a Pac twelve squad. Montana State jumps up one with a close loss to a Mountain West school. So Montana State, um, you know, a benefactor of a close loss. Weber State detrimentally penalized yeah. for a little bit bigger loss to a Pac-12, ranked Pac-12 school. So I think Weber State got a little bit screwed there. But like you just said, one, who gives a shit? Because we don't look at these polls at the end of the year. We have a playoff committee that does this. If they take care of business, everything's going to be fine. And two, if this, if these polls started out, everybody's zero, and we got to vote the first week, which I still don't understand why we don't, Weber State would be a little bit higher than they are at number 10. Montana State, like we said, number 11, jumping up that one spot. Next up on our list, UC Davis, a big jump this week. They went from number 23, barely in the top 25. They went up to number 14 yeah. with that impressive win against uh, the Golden Hurricane. And they're, um, you know, uh, you know, maybe Davis answered some of our questions from last week's pod. They yeah. probably still a pretty good team. And, and like, here's the weird thing. You know, the Eastern Washington game was more exciting. Eastern Washington put up bigger numbers oh, for sure. on UNLV, but UC Davis played a much more complete game. I watched both of the games. UC Davis did, there was no fluke about this. Hunter Rodriguez yeah. looked awesome. They controlled the pace of play. Um, and I, you can't really, I guess you can't jump somebody that much higher. Um, you know, seven spots or whatever they jumped, like that's impressive. Or nine spots, you do the math, Nate. You're the accounting major. Nine, it's nine. That's Montana State. Um, uh, educate. That's nine. Um, you know, it's <laughs> it's a it's an impressive it's an impressive win. It's awesome to see there. But yeah, I mean, UC Davis. Good luck playing them the rest of the year. I think they it's, are. They answered the questions for me for sure. It's funny that you say that about the Easter Washington because I watched like the highlights from the Ewu game and then the Davis game, like even when they're on Sports or wherever they were at, and the Easter Washington game being played in 
like Allegiant Stadium in Nevada had like this Las Vegas kind of flash to it. Yeah. The Eastern Washington, like that tackle at the goal line, the speed with which he hit that guy, like there was something flashy about that EWU UNLV game. It was overtime. It was kind of sexy. It was really just yeah, a sexy super game. Super sexy. UC Davis was played in the fucking like the Midwest, <laughs> and like nobody gave a shit about it. And it's a school that probably nobody in the Midwest knows where UC Davis is. Nobody over here in California would ever know where the Golden Hurricane yeah. are from. It's so just like that game was just not sexy. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, and that, I mean, that's, yeah. it's, it's just funny how, I mean, just like you said, that Easter Washington game seemed like such a bigger win uh, than the UC Davis. And it really was not. They were very similar wins over FBS school. So kind of funny. The how Eastern Washington game sure. looked like an XFL game. Like something about it did. It was the uniforms. It was everything. It was the <laughs> weirdest thing. And I noticed the same thing when I was watching. I was like, this game is insane. Like it was just, it was so fun to watch compared to the, even the highlights yeah. of the Davis game. Yep. It's just, there's something about Las Vegas that just gets you all hot and bothered and not a game in uh, Tulsa. That doesn't do it for me. Yeah. Well, we're not going to Tulsa for a bachelor party. No, hopefully not. Hopefully <laughs> not. Um, but, but yeah, so how then, we, you know, we have our Big Sky Podcast Network power rankings with all the podcast guys, some beat writers from around the, around the conference trying to rank these teams. You know, like we just criticized Weber State from dropping as far as they did. But how would you rank kind of the top of the conference? The top, let's say the top five. So I'm going to follow my own advice and go as though I didn't have any power rankings before the season started. I didn't vote in any polls. Like nothing. It's just a. I opened my eyes on week one and that was all I knew about Big Sky. And I had um, UM taking the top spot. I have to follow my own advice. I can't be a hypocrite. UM taking the top spot. (laughs) I guess this is probably me doing this too, is Eastern Washington (laughs) taking the two spot because it was damn sexy to watch that game. Number three, Davis for their win. Um, A less sexy win. I did have MSU um, in that four spot. That might be a little bit of bias by me. I I struggled between MSU and Weber. I did put a little bit more um, credence in that three-point loss in a game that I think they should have won, and I think they controlled yeah. over Weber State, not really ever controlling that game. And, yep. you know, it just – I don't know if that's the right or wrong thing. That was my power ranking. So I did UM, EWU, Davis, MSU, Weber are my top five in the power rankings right now. Yeah, I, I was exactly the same except for I wasn't uh, won over by the glitz and glamour of Las Vegas. I, I put Davis ahead of Eastern. Uh, so Montana, Davis, Eastern. Your self-control. Your yeah. self-control is commendable. I wasn't – I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, uh, it, it didn't, it didn't draw me in like it did you, but I had the cats over Weber as well. I just think that, um, you know, if the Weber game was closer in any way, uh, like you can make a case for it just because Utah's a better school than, than Wyoming, but, uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. a close game. I don't want to knock them. Uh, I, I think that they are, you know, I, I think they're a top three team overall. And I think that's how like the, mm-hmm. the season will, will bear that out. But um, after one week, it's just hard to place them above any of these I other think, teams. Um, yeah, I think I think what you're going to say is UM, undeniable yes. top spot. Ewu Davis, interchangeable at the two and three. Yeah. Practically even, yep. like two tie. And then MSU Weber, almost interchangeable in that four or five spot in the top. Yeah. I, think, I, I, just, I just think those those top five are obviously the top five teams right now after one week. And... Yeah, that's right. And it's you just like... You just got that toss spot. Um, you know, Portland State, I had them I had them rank seven. It's just like they didn't show enough against a crummy Hawaii team to to, to put them up higher. I had Sac State at number six. Like they had an FCS win, but it wasn't that impressive of a win. So to me, after one week, there's a clear top five. Um, and there's, you know, 
There, yeah. There's nothing. And of course, Southern Utah ranked last. Oh, and two. Yes. Fuck them. Um, one, I, before we get away from the polls, there was one kind of FCS storyline that I wanted to kind of bring to the mix. Holy Cross getting into the top 25. They were not ranked. They got in number 24. So they knock off UConn. Yeah. FBS UConn. Yeah. So this was another one of our FCS FBS <laughs> wins. Uh, UConn is the shits of the FBS. Yeah. Like, horrible. They went, I, I don't know what year they did. They went up from FCS to FBS. It was in the early 2000s, yeah. I believe, is when they yep. transitioned up to FBS. And they've been, you know, they got to a bowl game. They won they the Big East. I mean, when the back Big East the had a They won the Big team, East, yeah. yeah. Yep. So UConn's head coach after the game was like, I'm done. This is it. Like, I just lost a holy cross of all teams. They lost 42 to nothing, I believe, to Fresno State. 45 to nothing yeah. against Fresno State earlier this year. So they're 0-2. They dropped to an FCS program. Their coach, Radney Essal, was like, I'm done. After this season, done, done. Well, he didn't make it that long. <laughs> After talking to the University of President today, here Monday, uh, now so he's just done. Like, he's quitting. He's retiring today. He was their coach um, a while back, and then he wa- he left um, the uh, left UConn to take over Maryland, was fired midway through his fifth season there, came back to UConn. Yeah. Since the time he has come back in 2017, UConn is 6-32. Oof. 6-32, and this Holy Cross – Lost Holy Cross, congratulations. You got into the top 25 at the expense of someone's grandpa retired. Yeah, here's the deal. I hope you feel really good about that. Randy Edsall got word that he was about to be fired after that Holy Cross loss. Ah, the whole, it's not you, it's me. And to to get ahead of it, he announced his retirement at the end of the year. Because, like, how would the university (laughs) possibly, uh, you know, make him take that back and fire him, like, now that he's announced it? And it was... (laughs) It was it was bad enough where the president was still like, "Hey, uh, you got to come into my office." Sorry, bro. We'll make this a yeah. mutual. Can I decision. see you for a second? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I see you for a second? And Randy was like, "What did I do? Like, I don't think I did anything that bad. I'm already resigning at the end of the year." Oh no! Yeah, poor you. The UConn. president's like, "Oh my gosh, that's yeah." Poor UConn, but Holy Cross, the benefactor yeah. of this. I don't really know if Holy Cross. I, I really, obviously, we don't follow Holy Cross football very much, but they're the benefactor to get into the top twenty-five. <laughs> but we're, when you're going over the polls, you have to bring Holy Cross up, um, and to mention that story. It, 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 like we said in the last week's pod, it's a reminder. It's almost like when was it Portland State or Sac State went down um, and got the Texas State coach just axed immediately. <laughs> the, it was a Portland this State is, beat North Texas like sixty-six to seven. And the coach, yeah. I don't even know if the coach like went into the locker room or if he went from the yeah. sideline just to his car and never came back. Yeah. So <laughs> great job, Holy Cross. You cost someone his job, but that's why. That's why uh, when you're a shitty FBS school, maybe maybe drop down to Division Two now for your early cakewalk games, so that yeah. you know you get the win. You don't get fired after your first game. Brutal, but. brutal, brutal, <laughs> brutal. So it's gonna be. Uh, like I said, it's gonna. It's a. We're, we're week one. The polls mean nothing, but they're fun to look at right now and kind of just see where everybody's at. It's fun to see some of those teams squeaking in from just other, um, you know, areas of the uh, country. Yep. So that's uh, that's this week. We have that's really you know all we have. I feel like we talked a mile a minute just because that adrenaline is still flowing through us from a from just a treat of an opening weekend. Um, one other shout out, big time shout out to friend of the pod. We. Hopefully can get him back on to to do a little quick interview this year. He's a lot busier than he was when he was in the Canadian Football League. But our friend Alex Singleton, a former Montana State linebacker, former Calgary Stampeder. Uh, we were officially the number one Calgary Stampeders podcast in the USA at one point. Yep. <clears throat> but 
Uh, they named him one of their cap. The Philadelphia Eagles, I'm sorry, named uh, Alex Singleton as one of their captains on Monday, which is just a fantastic one of six team captains. You know, he was undrafted, went up to Calgary, played his ass off, got a chance to you know get in on special teams with the Eagles. Showed out last year, um, getting to play his position of linebacker, and has now been named. Um, a captain. So congratulations to him. It's such a great look for him, a great look for Montana State. Um, one of their sons getting that um, coveted captain spot on the highest level of football. So just uh, congratulations there. Pretty cool uh, little thing happening there for It's Alex. really awesome. Congratulations to him. Uh, and I mean, it just, it's one of those like intangible uh, things that it's hard to describe like how that helps Montana State's football program, but it does. Like being able to have this guy who's not only in the league, but a captain, um, he's all over the field. It's just, it's super cool. Um, I want to do one quick uh, Osweiler watch. We oh, haven't done one of these in a while. My boy Brock out of the league, um, I think last with the Miami Dolphins, um, over the summer made a nice little donation to uh, uh, Kalispell Flathead High School, Flathead High School, where he was a quarterback, where he started uh, his career, uh, made a huge donation uh, to improve their their weight room. So good guy Brock, um, making the athletes stronger up in the Flathead. That's great. Oh, one more other note, yeah. news of note. Bobcat Athletic Center, official grand opening coming up uh, for homecoming, but... Montana State, the football team, will be in their new digs this weekend. They will be moving all of their stuff into the Bobcat Athletic Center this weekend. They will be coming out of the locker room from the new and improved athletic center. No more of the cinder block and all that kind of stuff. So pretty cool. Kind of a new era of Bobcat football with some new building there. The Bobcat Prowl starting earlier, I just saw on Twitter. So get there early if you want to see your boys walking from the locker room, from the Fieldhouse locker room to the new locker room, I guess. I don't know how it's going to work, but either way, it's something new at Bobcat Stadium. It'll be pretty cool uh, to see some pictures from that game and see how that looks and adds to the game, the atmosphere. Um, So just that was my other small news news to note. Nice. Well, we'll we'll be keeping an eye on, on, uh, on, on Alex and Brock and all the buildings on and, campus and the, and, uh, and the buildings uh, and Josh Eustis. Uh, I know he signed uh, G league uh, when they did the weird bubble this spring. Uh, I think still up in the air. What, what his future is basketball. We'll be tracking him too. any other uh, former Montana athletes. You want us to be tracking. We're happy to add him to the watch. Just hit us up on Twitter and we oh, will you know, into him. Yeah. Tyler Hall, Tyler Hall played this summer yeah. in the Knicks summer league team. Yeah, yeah. All time, big, uh, big sky leading scorer. So that'd be cool if he got a chance in the league uh, this upcoming year. I like it. Let's make it happen. Cool. Let's do it. <laughs> if you need any help, Tyler, let us know. I'm just going to um, find uh, the, find the email addresses of some NBA owners and start my campaign. Get you off the Drake email like list. Guy. And you're going to like this. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we are looking forward to week two. We are looking forward to some great games. We're looking forward to hopefully the inevitable U of M and MSU Ws this week to to really get it going for us in FCS play. Um, thanks again to Laney, Laney Lou and the Bird Dogs for playing us in, playing us out. This was another fun podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. I hope uh, you think that we are getting better now that we get back into the swing of things. Like we said, we watched a lot of tape in the offseason. We didn't record anything. We've been saving our voices, and we couldn't have asked for a better start to uh, our new podcast season. Absolutely. Awesome to talk to you, Nate, and we'll talk to everybody next week. Have a great week, everybody. Go Cats.